0: Let's bring in Ray Ferraro, our TSN hockey analyst. What's happening, Ray?
1: Not much. I um, I think I watched two plays last night. It was like 21-0. Mm-hmm. And I watched two plays, and I'm like, I can see why it's 21 nothing, And I have no time to invest in this anymore. The only reason you watch is to see if you got a bet down, isn't it?
0: Well, absolutely. And that was the whole point. And, and someone brought this to my attention last night. The game went over the number just based on the Falcons' points total.
1: I thought the Buccaneers really gave it a nice college try last night.
0: Man, did they shut the mill after the oh, first quarter. They so quit. They're like, it's, oh. this is,
1: we'll try next week again. This is yeah. This is ridiculous.
0: I mean, that's the kind of thing where you want to be careful because sometimes I mean, hyperbole pops up and we yell and scream in the media and say, this guy quit, that team quit more often than not that's completely unfair, completely unjustified. The buccaneers shut it down last night. They they were not interested whatsoever in completing a pass. Making a tackle wasn't going to happen. Like that was a complete check please. We'll we'll catch you in week 4 routine last night.
1: We lost nine nothing at home to Los Angeles.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in Hartford,
1: and I remember—I don't remember a lot of the detail of the game, but I remember looking at the clock, like in the middle of the second period, and thinking, "Man, we can be out of here in about ninety minutes." Yeah, <laughs> like it was—we never touched the puck.
0: It's like this is no fun. Can we go home? Well, I guess once it starts to snowball, right? Like, you know you're not coming back. And the clock is working backwards. You're staring (laughs) at that clock, and it's
2: not going down. Like, you keep thinking, okay, you look up at it. If I just look away, it's going to be five minutes later, and 40 seconds has burned off the clock.
0: Isn't that a situation where you're on the bench and you're saying, please, no one try to be a hero and start a line brawl to prove that we're still in the game? Yeah. At that well, point,
2: there's not a character test if some idiot drops his gloves and and yeah, you tell the line man, up for the don't organization. Don't even think about calling an icing. Yeah. Just <laughs> wave it off. Wave everything off. You
1: tell your goalie before the automatic icing, there'll be no icings. Get out God. there, play something. Do what. Please, let's just go home. The
2: hardest part, though, Ray, and you know this, if you're in net and it's 9 nothing, you can't even stop the dump-arounds going in, because you'll allow those in, too. They'll allow those to get by you. So the goaltender is always the most rattled on the ice, because... You're trying to stop the bleeding and you can't get hit by anything. Well, and it's your dependent. stats
0: too, right? Oh. Like the other, the players they're not, you know, if you, if let's put it this way, you could lose 10-3, some yes. guy scores a hat trick oh. and he's like, my stats look Happiest all right. Happiest
2: guy in the building, dancing or then he's one of those fools who stands up in between periods and guys we can still come back. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, shut the hell up, like sit down. It's unreal.
1: <laughs> you know who was good at that? Um Sylvain Turgeon, Pierre's older brother. He was fantastic at getting a couple in a seven-two loss, and and having the rooster strut. (laughs) And you're like, really fly? Really? We're all dash five here. Could you just like not now, please? Yeah,
2: Yeah.
0: he's hitting Applebee's and crushing Appies after that game. He is the happiest guy in the building.
2: Happiest guy in the building.
0: Um, Yeah, we were just talking about it. Like Phil Kessel, obviously the news of the day yesterday, um, and his comments about how he said. He skated maybe, and it was a hard maybe, uh, 10 times during the offseason and what Steve Spott had to say about his fitness. And then he straps on the skates. We're watching the skating test, and he's just smooth. Like, that's just how he rolls, man. And I think at the very least what this solidifies, and I think we've already known it, his talent level is, is just through the roof. Like he's so immensely naturally talented, it's almost aggravating for someone that isn't that talented.
1: I, I would think, um, what, you know, like when I was thinking about Kessel and whether he's, you know, he he doesn't look like the guy that spent any time in the gym in the summer. And I I, I got to thinking, like, although he wasn't the same because he was always, he always looked like he could lift a house. But Ally Afraidy was one of these guys that he looked like he, he never thought once about the game. You know, like, we'd have an afternoon game in Long Island, and there's just a hallway. There's no separate, or there wasn't at the time. There'd be no separation between where the visitor's room was and our room. And Al would be down there before the game, curving his stick, smoking, and come out and play 30 minutes. (laughs) And you'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm dying down here, and this guy's skating around like it's, you know, like a public skate. And and I get the feeling, like, you know, when Kessel said he skated 10 times, he's probably not fooling around. Like, no. does he strike you as a type that's watching video of his games? No. <laughs> no, he's just like he's a savant. He just throws his skates on, and he's fabulous. I, I happen to think he works hard. You know, you, sometimes you go, man, it, when he's not going to – when he's having a bad night, you can really see it on him. But – I think he tries really hard. He just doesn't look and or act like a guy that, you know, he's not going to come to the bench and make this growly speech to the guys. And some guys, that's how they stay in the league. They make this, you know, they, they care more than the other guy. They don't. They just show it more. Some guys do, I guess. But I think he tries hard. He just, you, you give him a $2,000 suit, it looks like he drags it into the rank behind him. And puts it on right before the camera gets on him, and then he doesn't care. He just goes and plays.
0: Yeah, he's a different cat. But I, I totally agree with you in terms of you can see his frustration when he's not scoring, when the team's losing. Um, I have never denied that he wants to win. I mean, I don't think why. I don't see why that would be a debate. I, I really think that he's he's a passionate guy when he's in the moment. But like you just pointed out, when he's not in the moment. He's in his own, his own world, and he's entitled to but, that. But he the, can do whatever
2: he wants. I, I think people have a problem with that.
0: Well, it just, it's because, this is why, Noodles, because this team collapses and loses all the time. Right. It comes down to feeding the beast. Like Ray just said, even though a lot of people know it's blatantly transparent and absolutely disingenuous, disingenuous, we want guys to show that they care so much, that they care as much as Joe Blow sitting at Gabby's pounding pints because he's so rattled with what's going on with this team. Um, that's what it comes down to. Where if they're winning, they're a playoff team winning a few rounds, no one cares. People would say, that's great. You know, whatever, he's, he gets away. that's and it's that's, probably because Phil's game.
2: Yeah. It's like Phil's game. It's, it's a microcosm of the team. When it's on top of it, it's, it, it's above most of the league. Yeah. But then when it falls off, much like the team, it's like,
0: what is that? It's, it's all. It's about not even close. Winning cures you're, everything and changes exactly, the dialogue on everything. Exactly, because we're not talking about oh,
2: lack of character, lack of this and that. I mean, I've played with guys who are, and I'm sure, Ray, you can speak to this, played with guys who are so relaxed, where you're like, I, I wish I was that relaxed and composed in every Situation of the game. I played with Tommy Sowell. There was a time in between periods where I thought he was sleeping in his stall. I, I remember leaning over to a defenseman next to me and I said, "I think he's asleep." He was so laid back, but he'd go out and stop the puck. Like it just, everyone has a different demeanor on how they play. But if they get it done, do you have a problem with what they like? What they're like?
1: Yeah, they do. Yeah, th- we. I think we do because it's pretty clear. Like, just from that scrum yesterday, like, I'm sure Phil could care less about something else as opposed to what the media says about him, but I can't think of what it might be. Because did, he would, he just found the whole thing laughable. And he was chewing his gum, and he's like, yeah, the season starts in October, and I'll be ready. And so people find that somewhat off-putting. I, I, I don't think there's any question about it. And when things go wrong in Toronto, it's, it's got to be Fanoff's fault or it's got to be Kessel's fault. And the fact of the matter is there's far, far greater problems.
0: Well, that. that's the truth. And that's something that people talked about yesterday. Um, and people have been writing about it, and we've been interacting with people uh, that tune into the show. And, and a lot of people say, hey, Kessel's not the reason they lose. Of course he's not. But there's also not one reason why they lose. When you lose the <laughs> amount of times that this team loses, there's – a, a collection of reasons why they lose
1: but you know here's the other way of looking at it i guess is that i have no doubt he'll score 35 to 40 goals this year yep he he always seems to i mean that's what he does it's a lock it's a lock but but he is a he has got such phenomenal skill that you i think sometimes he can be more of the answer because he's so good. Some guys can try as hard as they want, and they can only make so much difference. A guy like Kessel can impact the game on so many levels. And quite frankly, at a different level, but up near the top end of the roster, so can Joffrey Lupul. Like what Lupul did last year, injured or not injured, is not good enough. He's too good to slide under the radar. He needs to be at the top of the Leafs scoring charts for them to be an effective three-line scoring team, which they want to be. Like, some guys can't impact that. He can. Kessel can. Ben Riemsdyke can. Bozak can. Kadri can. Those guys have to be at the top of the, uh, and a consistent top of the Leafs scoring charts. And if they are, then they probably got enough scoring. And if they don't, then the other guys can try as hard as they want. They're probably not going to score enough.
0: What do you make of the idea of them splitting up Van Riemsdyk and Kessel?
1: I like it in the sense that um, I, I think Van Riemsdyk, with the way he skates, has a bigger chance of balancing a second line off than, than perhaps Lupel will. Uh, Lupel had really good success with Kessel and Bozak. I think Van Riemsdyk has the potential to have success with other people easier
0: than Leopold might. So I I don't mind that at all. Yeah, it's interesting because we've been talking about Peter Holland a lot today. And we had Bob McGill join us around the table um, earlier in the afternoon. And he was a guy who's been covering the Marlies for quite some time, covers the Leafs as well. And he, he was watching Peter Holland in the American Hockey League and throughout the playoffs. And he said... He was so far and away the best player on the ice for both teams, it wasn't even funny. And he is a big believer that Peter Holland is prepared to take that next step and be someone that can challenge Kadri and Bozak in terms of potentially being a one or a two instead of just simply being slotted as a three. Um, If that happens, if they actually believe that they've got Bozak, Kadri, and Holland who can all supply upside in terms of the offensive side of things up the middle of the ice, and then they do establish three lines. Could you see a scenario where they actually split Van Riemsdyk, Kessel, and Lupel up? They put all three of them on three different lines.
1: Well, that, that, would, be, that would be determined by who, who are you slotting in in the other places. So, you know, Mike Santorelli would probably be one of those guys, I would think. I think people are going to find Santorelli's a better player than, than they might know. He was terrific last year till he hurt his shoulder in Vancouver. Um Clarkson has to be part of that mix, doesn't he?
0: You would think so, yeah.
1: And and so if if you're going to split those those three wingers up on three lines, now you know is David Booth part of that? I mean I I don't know what you're going to get from Booth, but he did play well down the stretch here when, you know, everything else had imploded around him most of the year. So I I I mean you have to have the other parts on the other side of the line to do that. And and I guess camp will be to determine that. But I, I think it's likely that they'll, you'll see two of those guys on the same line to start anyway.
2: Ray, you talk about David Booth. I mean, here's a here's a guy that has a reputation of kind of like that Phil Kessel, like kind of a free spirit. Uh, you know, maybe leaves a little bit for desire as far as as a player. You think you, he has more to give? Uh, you've watched him a lot in Vancouver What On his best days, what can he bring And then, what is he Going to bring to the Toronto Maple Leafs As far as consistency
1: Well, I, um, I You know, a lot was written when Booth came out here You know, he's a 30-goal scorer He scored 30 goals once And he's not a 30-goal scorer um, He doesn't have, in my opinion the, the scoring instinct To score 30 goals On a consistent basis 30 goals is hard now it's it's not it's not like when you know when we were back playing where thirty goals was a way more attainable figure. Uh, I he's fast, he's strong. He'll take a lot of shots. A lot of his shots will be from the outside of the defenseman. The the trick and the success of Booth will be tied to whether he can get inside the defenseman to shoot the puck because he can shoot it well. He's really strong. He's in great shape. Sometimes I feel like he just settles for the outside of the ice and just shoots the puck from out there, which is of no danger at all. And That's so probably it, a lot it, to do
2: with the concussions. No, I mean he doesn't. Uh, I would to... agree.
1: A different player before and after yeah. when he got when he got concussed in Florida. I mean it was it was a exactly. bad one. Mm. It, it was a bad one for him, and he's really not been the same since. And so I, you know, I I know people. Um, you know, they might look down at him for that. I, I can never, I, I, did, I can never fault somebody for that. I mean, you don't know what's going on in, inside. Maybe they just, maybe he just doesn't have it to get in there anymore. I, I never got hit like that, so I don't know. But it seems like the last year and a half in Vancouver, he settled for the thirty-foot wrist shot from outside the defenseman a lot, and he shot it hard, but it doesn't really matter. That's not going in.
0: With Ray Ferraro, our TSN hockey analyst, Uh, we spoke about this earlier in the week. Peter Shirelli and his candor uh, down in Boston, the GM of the Bruins, uh, coming out and saying, yeah, I mean, I'm on the clock. We're going to end up trading a defenseman here, so we'll let you know when it happens. But someone's getting dealt because they have to. Uh, Stan Bowman, the GM of the Blackhawks, basically picked up on that because they're in a similar situation. They're over the cap. They've got to get underneath it, especially if they want to find room for that Tara Vanen kid, uh, the Finnish kid, who's... Looks like he could be a stud this year. Um, And Stan Bowman has come out and said, you know, we're going to have to make a deal as well, which makes it interesting because these are two of the top five teams in the league, two teams with a ton of talent. We know what's going to happen in Boston. It's going to be a defenseman that gets dealt. I'm not sure if we know what's going to happen in Chicago. Um, What do you anticipate there? Could you see big names? Do you think it will be a forward, a defenseman? Based on their depth chart, what do you expect when it comes to Chicago trying to get under the cap?
1: Well, they uh, the Blackhawks are pretty well positioned. If they, um, I, I think they'll they're going to move what the other teams tell them they can move. You know, I, I they don't. You know, the name that was bandied about early in the summer was Johnny Oduya. Joel Quenneville's a big fan and wants doesn't want to going anywhere. He's part of that top four for them, and they would be more likely to move Nick Letty. They have a. Um, uh, who makes, I think, about 2-7 this year um, on the last year of a contract. They have a a, defenseman, a couple of defensemen in uh, Rockford of the American League. Uh, Adam Denning is a point producer, a right-handed shot. And uh, they have another guy, Johns, who's a big physical guy. And so they're probably close to playing. And if they could move a Letty, then perhaps... Uh, that would be, you know, they'd be covered that way. If they move a forward, they have guys like Jeremy Morin, who, uh, who played very well in the American League uh, the last couple of years. You mentioned uh, Tabo Taravainen. He's probably close, although he's 20, and they signed Brad Richards uh, as well this year. I think it's more likely a defenseman, but the rest of the league will tell them who that's going to be because you can say, I'm going to trade a forward, and if nobody wants the forward you're offering, then they're going to have to trade someone else because they've got to get below the cap.
0: Yeah, they don't have an option. We don't see this very often where a team just decides, yeah, it's got to happen. The league essentially dictates that it has to happen. Uh, Mike Santorelli going to join us around the table here. So we got to fly, buddy. But uh, enjoy the weekend. We'll do it again on Monday.
1: You betcha. And um, good kid Santorelli is, good Vancouver guy. And I think the people in Toronto are going to like him a lot. He's a hard worker who took him a while to find his stride, and um, he found it last year in Vancouver. And um, former 20-goal scorer, I think he'll be better than people think.
0: All right, buddy. Appreciate it. We'll make Talking. sure he knows that. All right, there yep. he is, Ray Ferraro, yep. the agent for uh, Mike Santarelli. <laughs>